In the claims process, acts of bad faith are considered especially heinous. In this podcast, the dedicated public adjusters who investigate these vicious acts and the attorneys who settle them are part of an elite squad known as the Special Claims Unit. These are their stories. And we're back, and I am, uh, again, I'm sitting here with Scott Hunziker of Hunziker Barmore uh, Law Firm. And Scott, one of the things that uh, right before the break I wanted to talk to you about is I am hearing some rattlings from other public adjusters, and I'm also hearing just, I mean, and really honest with you, is like on the social media outlets, LinkedIn, mm -hmm. Facebook, things like that, um, where some of these public adjusters' estimates are being disqualified because they're not Xactimate certified. So how much of these certifications for public adjusters who are solo operators, right? Yep. And they don't have the capital or the funding to go out and hire, see my air quotes, experts, but they have a level of expertise in estimating. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I myself, I'm an estimator, right. and that's one of the things you that use Xactimate. I use Xactimate. And, and I do. So, so ju jumping right into the Xactimate, obviously this this is a creation of the insurance world. Is is Xactimate the platform? Right. right yeah. Um, I, I will tell you, in 23 years of doing this, very few have I ever worked with that didn't use Xactimate. The situations I would see where you didn't get an Xactimate estimate was when you would have somebody that had a contractor that they had been working with, not to, for purposes of negotiating with the carrier. You can't do that. Obviously, you got to be a PA or a policyholder or a lawyer. But they, they only got their damage estimate from a contractor who just kind of scratched it out. There, You know what I mean? Yeah, put it, put it, it on it, a cocktail napkin. But <laughs> it is important. I mean, the, I mean – yeah, I mean, you want you want an estimate, an um, exactimate estimate product, just sure. because for a couple reasons. Number one, it literally if for people that don't know what that system is, you know, you have a license to use exactimate. It's linked to a particular point in time with certain prices, and also within a particular you know zip code. So you have, you know, the prices in Dallas are going to be different than, say, prices in Wichita Falls or Laredo or El Paso or Beaumont, okay? Sure. Um, I think it's important. Obviously, the substantiation is critical. If it's somebody that didn't have one but they put in that same level of detail, I would try to argue then that, you know, it has the same ingredients. But you have the, – the level of detail with Xactimate is nice and it, it gives an A to B comparison. You know, when you're dealing with the carrier's estimate. Um, but I do think it's important. I think it's important for purposes of explaining it to a jury and also offsetting any argument that you're not using the proper, you know, means of, of reflecting an amount of damage. Well, let me ask you this question. And right. this is more this is more situational or anecdotal, if you will. I got you. Okay, so you've got a you've got a carrier adjuster that happens to have a level three Xactimate certification. So sure. for those of you who don't know, there's level one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. Okay. And for lack of a better explanation, you know, level one is beginner, level two is intermediate, and level three would be considered expert, an expert certification for right. Xactimate. He's going up against me 
you know, and I, let's say, don't have any certifications whatsoever, but I've got a CV <laughs> that's sitting behind me of, you know, years of using the software, different sure. versions of the software, those kinds of things. Will his level three certification, even though he's only been using the program for a year and a half, somehow you know, overshadow my years of experience and expertise in using the piece of software. Because I have said for a long time, all of that, all that does is say that you know how to use a piece of software. It right. doesn't tell you that whether or not you know how to estimate. No. And the thing is, I think you, you fill in those blanks with the background and experience. Okay. Right? So, so that, I, that, yeah. that would overcome. Well, remember when we talk about these things, I'm very well aware that, Many, many things that I disagree with categorically are still going to be arguments made by the other side. Sure. So they're going to say these things okay. even if I think – it. you know what I mean? Right. I, I'm not – put it this way. How about the, the, the experts that they use on, on speed dial, right? So, I mean, I know what they're going to say even if I'm going to disagree with it, right? Mm -hmm. um, in regard to Xactimate products, though, um, no. I mean, I, I think that – that the more important factor, the more important dynamic is the background and experience and what you've actually had boots on the ground training to develop those estimates based on damage you've seen and, and those types of calculations that you've rendered right in sure. the past. But, you know, are they going to say it? Obviously if, it's it's been created by it, somebody. It's funny though because one of one of the steps mm -hmm. in my personal claims process and how I carry out claims sure. is I have a conversation with the desk adjuster that's a lot like a informal deposition, if you will. Sure, it's recorded. And it has questions in it about the person that conducted the field inspection. What's their experience like? Are they certified to use the software in which they? in which they presented the estimate in what building codes did they conduct or mm -hmm. consult, mm -hmm. you know, what is their construction experience as it pertains to the method of repair? You know, I'll ask all of these questions and by and large, why it, wouldn't you? you well, why, why, why wouldn't you want to know if you're, if you're there to assist the policyholder, and one of the things you're doing is, you know, creating arguments and counter arguments as a public adjuster against the positions taken by the carrier. Uh -huh. Why wouldn't you want to drill down and, Look at not just the conclusions, but the veracity of the the conclusion maker, or the 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 credibility in their background and experience. Well, I you, would. you would have to, right? Well, I mean, if you're because doing your job. because they're standing they're standing on a position that our estimates right, right, and I'm going to disqualify that immediately. Any efforts that the carrier has made basically to come to a conclusion and a decision, I am going to seek to dis disqualify that as part of their investigation because one of the things, I even texted you one day. I mm -hmm. said, what is the carrier's responsibility to conduct an investigation prior to a denial? And how much investigation do they have to have? Or does that rely on the proof of loss by the by the, by the policyholder? Well, well, first of all, they've got duties that they have to do a, a full and complete investigation as well. I mean, they're, they're going to have to stand behind the process that they use as well as the conclusions that they've reached through that process. You know, it's funny. I, I remember trying a case years ago. I can't remember if it was Georgia or North Carolina where I was pro-hocked in, but regardless, I, the opposing counsel made a remark that I was trying to – it was not a bad faith case. It was a breach contract case. Okay. And Which are most insurance claimed cases. Well, no, no, no. They're <laughs> going to be – they're going to definitely be count one. 
guarantee you count one is going to be breach of contract and then the counts <laughs> follow from there, right? Right. So you could have violation of good faith and fair bad dealing. Faith, fraud, fa- bad faith, fraud. Well, bad you're, faith, you're fraud. not going to have fraud, but you're, you can have bad faith, 541. Violation of duty, good faith, and fair dealing. You may see that, the 542 that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen fraud in situations where they're, you know, it's it's a type of, it's within the family of, you know, misrepresentations. Usually, sure. though, it's going to be limited to the, the first few that we mentioned. But without exception, you're going to have breach of contract. You better, or what are you arguing about, right? Right. And whenever we were talking with the court uh, through motions in limine and presenting are competing arguments about what could be discussed regarding the process. The opposing attorney said, Your Honor, they shouldn't be allowed to talk about any of that because bad faith is not at issue here. It's breach of contract. I won on that point because my counter to that was very logical, and it it went something like this. Once you're talking about breach of contract, you're talking about whether my ultimate number is right or their ultimate number is right. And if you're going to judge the cake, you're going to have to evaluate how it was baked. Mm-hmm. So regardless of whether you're saying it was bad faith, vexatious refusal, you know, there was some malice aforethought and how they, they got to where they got. Sure. If they had anything untoward, incomplete, inappropriate, whatever within the process, I still get to bring it up because it's how it led them to that number that they said that's the right one where we're saying that was the wrong one. Thereby, they breached the contract. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, those things are all critical in how you get to the end game in the world of first party. That's exactly, I mean, you have to get into those things. So it's part of the process and how you evaluate, you know, that there's a, there was, what was a saying that they said uh, when I first started getting into this after Hurricane Rita, and I was actually on the defense side for, for a number of years, and it was that, Bad faith is not an act. It's a process. You see what I mean? That is fantastic. Bad, I've never heard it bad, put that way. Bad faith is not an act. It's a process. I would actually take that a step further. It Yes. Is it a process? Yes. It's a process that's a product of a culture. So there is this, you know, an undercurrent of, of that, that way of thinking, you know, that, 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 that's leading to these amounts that are, you know, insufficient to, to pay for, for this damage. And it's that philosophy, uh, mentality, you know, if you want to call it the culture, but mm-hmm. it is, it just shows you, it truly is. Bad faith is the process. We're seeing this right now. I remember, and I'm not licensed in Florida. I don't practice in Florida. I don't practice in Florida. I don't practice in sure. Louisiana. Right. But, but I certainly follow up on them. And I, I see all these articles now about, you know, where, Actually, we don't even need to talk about Florida right now. Go back to, I remember, her um, Superstorm Sandy, when there was a 60 Minutes uh, expose about the carriers that would basically take this information, and then th- their adjusters thought they were they were agreeing to pay a certain amount that they had been hired to find, and then it turned out that they had changed some of the reports, changed some of the conclusions, justified a smaller amount. That's a culture. That's a process. And that's going on right now for Hurricane Ian That's in what I'm talking about. It is. You're, I knew, Washington Post put something out recently. There you go. And in fact, a friend of mine had a podcast with 
um, the director, forgive me if I get the titles wrong, but the director sure. of the American policyholder, Doug Quinn, okay. along with an attorney that I believe practices here. You may know him, um, Stephen Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and so actually what happened was, is a couple of the carrier or independent adjusters contacted Stephen Bush. Stephen Bush then put them in contact with Doug Quinn of the American policyholder, essential, uh, American, uh, Policyholder Association put him in contact with them and that they are formulating and they realize that it has essentially become a whistleblower case that could possibly turn into subsequent um, criminal RICO charges. And, and I understand those and, theories. I don't know the facts that I don't either. And I, those I, and I don't want to dig into no. it. And I, you know, and I would, and I would encourage anyone who wants to know more about what's going on to contact the American Policyholder Association. If you think that's going on, that is your first line of defense to go and go and contact those guys because they are doing right. a really good job of running that sort of thing into a corner and chasing bad faith is like chasing a chicken. So, I mean, it will cut and run on you and dodge and move and, because a lot of people don't have a real concept and idea, but I love the way that you put it. Mm-hmm. Bad faith is not an act. It's a process, and it's, a, by and large, a byproduct of a culture. And I'm not going to list out any carriers here, but we know who we're talking about, and I'm not even alluding to one of them, but we know those cultures that exist and how they try to navigate and use even engineers that are coming back with reputable reports, changing those reports yeah. and to, to fit the narrative of what they want to pay. Okay, so so before break, you had asked a very very important question with you know that commands more than just a simple answer. You said, "What can the PAs do better?" Right? Right. Now, you just said right there, you analogized it to trying to chase a chicken, right? Right. Now, let's go back to when we were talking before break and I said, you know, we're evaluating the decision that they made within that universe of the claim, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you catch the chicken using your analogy? You make sure you paint them into a corner so you know exactly what their basis is. You know exactly what the reasons or the opinions they've relied on, what those things state, how they relied upon them. You make sure you know exactly why. They made the decision that they did. And then you've caught the chicken. It's just a matter of. Which is my entire point of asking right, the desk that, adjuster that, those right. questions. That's right. You've right. caught the chicken. Now, right. now the jury's going to determine whether, you know, it's, it's, it's. Whether that chicken gets cooked or, or cut is, loose. Is it super, super shit? <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't use that. But it's true. Super I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But, but you can't do that. You are. You're chasing a chicken with its head cut off if you're not if you're not nailing them down. So sure. you have to that that's why it's such an opportunity. Because they could very well, you know, if they say I'm relying on this expert, and it turns out that that expert is completely unqualified. Well, unless you nail them down to that's all they relied on, they could say, Oh, you know, we we recognize that. That's why we also looked at this other expert. I mean, come on. How else did you arrive at this conclusion? You, but but yeah. no, no, no. Here, here, this is why, you know, it's you always hit them with, listen, this is my only chance to talk to you before trial. You understand that it's it's only fair that I get to understand the process. My client was entitled to know how you arrived at this opinion or conclusion, how you arrived at the calculation, how you made your coverage determination, okay? So 
you have to be very specific and cover every single data point, every single reason, every single conclusion, and what it was that they based it upon. So, okay, you've got, this is what your guy said on this. You, you had this engineer. Did you also have a meteorologist? Okay. Did, did he have somebody, was, did the engineer have somebody taking pictures? I mean, drill down because you've got to get granular with it. Because remember, I've seen this so many times at trial and so many times it really is effective with a jury. If somebody comes back in there and they said there was a failure to maintain, I said, okay. Now, before this lawsuit was filed, did my client make a claim? Yeah, he did. Okay. Did my client ask you for your conclusions and your coverage determination? Yes, he did. Okay. At that point, are you familiar with the policy provisions that apply? Yes, we were. Did you have every opportunity to list, so my client would know it, every reason that you had for not paying the claim? Yes, we did. Is it fair for you to withhold information or reasons from the client? Is it fair for you to treat your policyholder like that or keep them in the dark? Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then just put it up on the overhead. You had pre-existing damage. It was, was, one of your, was one of your claims. Maybe you list a couple more. Is there a part of that policy that relates to failure to maintain? Was there? A re- Did anybody keep you from putting that in there? And then here we are for the very first time, and you heard me tell this jury that this is a this is an exercise in just where you know a policyholder can make ends meet. Somebody moves the ends, you know that's how it works. So if they didn't have the opportunity to know that that's what you were claiming, is it fair that now when we're in front of this jury and they they have been exposed as to the 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 problems that belie all their other all their other, you know, exclusions, their other bases for, for denying this. Mm-hmm. How is it that they now, do they just, is this cafe, is this a menu or a policy? They just get to pick something else. I'm sorry. We're out of the, we're out of the dish for pre-existing damage today. Would you like to try some of the failure to maintain? I mean, that's kind of how, that's kind of how they treat it, but you have to shut them off because if you don't nail them down early, then they have the ability to say, oh, no, no, that was something that we had always from the beginning, always, always let them know that over the phone. You know, they'll, 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 you're nailing jello to a wall. <laughs> right. Is what you're doing if you don't nail them into their, into their position. Which is why I go through the, the and again, it's not a, a formal deposition, but I just ask some yes or no questions right. to the desk adjuster because it's going to tell me what, how they're going to, you know, how they're making coverage decisions, how they're interpreting the policy, how they are, you know, assembling the information that they have to come up with the conclusion that they've arrived at. And you're entitled to know it. And, and see, the thing right. is, and that's, that's what I meant when I was talking about my argument to that judge was, you get to know. You don't just get to look at the cake. You get to know how it was baked. Right. Does does the is this a pastry chef or is this a you know a Cajun cook? I mean, who do we have here? Right. That's putting this together. Is this I coming mean, scratch or is this coming out of a box? That's right. You know what I'm saying. And so what I and and the ability for a homeowner or a business owner. Mm-hmm. Okay. So no matter what 
playing field we're at here, whether it's a home, it's an insured, okay? Right. With the, the awareness and the capability of most prudent people. And, the, and, and while we even started the show with please read your policy, and again, I say it, please to. read your policy, but sometimes the interpretation of that policy is read under the guise of the, the carrier is going to try and do the right thing. And not that is not always the case. They don't always have the eye towards coverage. How can we get this policy to work for you, sir? Well, and, and remember, the the duty incumbent upon the the adjuster is they're not to go out there expecting to have a policyholder that's also a you know insurance expert here. Right. right? You're to help them. And you're not just to help them understand what they purchase from you, but also to find things that qualify for coverage. I was asked, don't you err on the side of the policyholder? I mean, if you're not going to err on the side of the policyholder, how many things could you honestly say? You know, hey, listen, this, this, yes, it's the exact, you know, dimensions of the hail strikes that were here at 1.75, but theoretically somebody could have dropped a wrench on that. I mean, that's not... Well, am I wrong? No, how, you're yeah, right. How many times have you seen a, all a mechanical is, damage exclusion? Yeah, here? but Scott, all you're doing is speaking towards the culture that's created. Well, there, right. There, there, there you go. Therein lies your point. Okay. Is that the culture that is created is to go out, and I believe that that there are adjusters that said that are told, I know for a fact, that they're told that if there's no oxidation marks on electrical boxes, then any hail you find is inconsequential. We're proving the same point. Exactly. We're That's what the, I'm not really arguing. The point is, is that they are creating this culture to have an eye towards the the dishonesty of the policyholder. They go in with the assumption that the policyholder is lying to them, and the policyholder is purchasing insurance under the the thought that the insurance carrier is going to do the right thing. You know, it's whenever whenever you are arguing to a jury. The most important thing is to be relatable. And we don't think a lot about insurance. It's not an exciting topic. Oh, God, it's boring. No, but, 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 but think about this. Think about, and, and I like to remind juries of this, and, I, and, it's, and it's served me well to remind them of this. You know, let's say you have an afternoon closing exam or closing, uh, closing argument. And you say, you know, everybody here, went up to a, a cash register and, and paid for lunch and you were given your lunch and you paid for a soda and you were given your soda. Can you think in not just modern society, but any time in, in, the, in the past, however many decades, that there was something that you were happy, happy to pay good money for and you were hoping all the while that you would never get anything back for it. Life insurance, home insurance. You want to have the peace of mind that accompanies having that promise, but you never want to have to force somebody to make good on it. You never want to have to make a claim on life insurance for a spouse. You never want to have to make a claim for a fire that happened to your home. It, what, what's that old saying? It's the best money you'll, you, you'll, you'll never spend. Right. You, know I mean? you, you, you don't want to. So here they are, the, the, the folks that buy insurance. Everybody has to. And all you want to do is be able, in a time of the loss or disaster or tragedy, all you want to be able to do is focus on your, 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 your family, 
your kids, your livelihood, your business, get a roof back over your head, be able to start making money to support your family again. And now, even though it's the worst situation, what is the one bit of peace you have, peace of mind that you have when you go through that awful process is, at least I know I was responsible, I handled my situation up front and got insurance to cover me. Mm-hmm. And now I can focus on those things because I know they're going to have my back. Right. Now think about that for a second. All these things that you that you have to focus on, that's why it, it, it's so true that, that when people go through this, it's like being, you know, a, a victim of a second storm. You know, I've had this first one that affected everything, and now I'm hit with this additional wave over here of now I'm being accused of not doing this properly or, or it's not covered, and I was told it was covered, and, I, you know, I kept my promise. You keep your promise as a policyholder every single month. You have to keep your – you're a promise keeper. You right. keep it. And then all you're doing is saying, hey, I want you to take my money. Take it. I don't want you to ever have to spend it. It's in your reserves. It's in your It's in your investments, whatever you do with it. But if I ever need you, I just need to know you're going to be there. Now, why do you think people think that way? Well, look at the creativity in the commercials. We've got a little gecko running around. we got the dude that's watching a guy dump his car in the ocean and – we cover a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Your personal are you, price plan. Are, are you, Name your are, price hey, are you in good hands? <laughs> the quarterback of the of the Packers says you are. You're right. <laughs> so, so, but, but my point, my point is this though, it's incredibly unique. So that's why it is so devastating that when the one thing you were relying on to help you address all these other things, this our, our lives revolve because of the families and the properties and the things we do to make a life. Right? Right. So when you can't focus on that or, or it's even more of a, 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 an issue to focus on that because the group you've been paying the whole time to stand behind you, if and only if the situation arose, won't do it, I don't know if you see many breaches of trust that reach that level and are that profound in their effect on someone's life. Man. Am, Man. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. So now think about that. So for a jury, they, they start thinking about, man, I you know, it's true. It's so unique. And the other thing is, it's not like we're tourists in the process as policyholders. You are making that payment. You are keeping your promise. You're keeping your promise when it's hard. You know, you keep that promise no matter what your situation is. And we don't get to create our situation. Oh, why is it we didn't pay this? Oh, well, that's because, you know, I had to, you know, my, my kid just can drive now, so I didn't have the money to pay for that. I had to I had to make a car payment. Well, then you're canceled. You see what I mean? We're not allowed to say life happens. Right. But over here, an insurance policy quickly becomes a paragraph that's an insuring clause and then 85 pages of excuses. <laughs> it's a telephone book of excuses. Right. Juxtaposed with a paragraph of a promise. Uh, right. And all you're paying for is the promise. 
But you sure get a lot of the rest of the phone book. So in order to get them to to, to cover that promise, yeah. I mean, people are having to employ the services of people like me. Oh, now you're going to get to your uh, I am, legislature. I am going to get to my legislature right now. On right now, you sound like you're you're it, heading that direction in committee. Sure, it, it's sitting in committee right now. House Bill. 601, 601 that basically is looking to sort of expand. I don't the think, and I don't, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of lawyers who are, who are in Austin and, and God bless them. They go in there and they're, 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 they're carrying the banner, you know, they're, and, and I, I, I do not have that level of political involvement that they do. And I'm very appreciative for them. So I don't believe, so when I tell you what I'm going to tell you, it's not from seeing it with my eyes or hearing it with my ears. I don't know if they've had a hearing on that or not. Uh-huh. That's why I don't. They may have not even had a hearing on it. It may not be up for a hearing. I don't know, but I understand what it does. It basically says that, you know, one of the things in five forty two, which is the prompt payment of claims mm-hmm. portion versus the bad faith portion of five forty one, is if you can't put them in a bind and make them have to hire a lawyer just to get what you should have got right. Right. So they add. There's an extra. There's an add on. A supplement to that. About if that's you have what, to, yeah, it's an expansion of the it's an expansion of the current right, law, right? And then right. it also has another section that says, regardless of these things above and these different acts that that are you know the 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 bad acts that that we're going to enumerate that we're going to list, you you can as a PA, I guess it's it's seeking to have your percentage paid mm-hmm. if what they. Offered at the beginning before your involvement was substantially lower. Yeah, I don't know they, what substantial means. You know, and here's the thing. Once again, I need to preface this with, I'm not in Austin. I, I came up here from Houston, and I'm leaving to go to St. Louis for, <laughs> uh, for tomorrow. But there is, in other areas of law, there there is a a, a 20% factor on what's substantially similar to or dissimilar from something. So like if you need to get an amount that's substantially similar to what was offered, then you know what you get needs to be within 20% of it. Now okay. if it's way more than that then you're okay too. But but you see what I mean? Right. That's your that's your standard standard deviation however you want to say, you know, that's how far you can be from the mark. That's how far you can be from the goalposts. Mm-hmm. So it would be like 20%. Now with this it could be totally different. Again, I don't think it's even gone through hearing. But it is designed to basically send this message, okay, which is similar to other messages in 542. You cannot put a person in a situation where they have to go out and get help that they shouldn't have needed. Correct. That's what it is. That's, See, that's the point. Now, that's why with in Texas, God bless them, they have attorney's fees available on breach contract. Because under the theory, which I think is not just a theory, I, I mean, it's the reality that a person shouldn't have to hire legal to get something that is owed. Owed that they're that objectively, categorically. You see what I mean? Correct. Now I know that you're going to have the insurance industry saying, "Well, wait a minute, it's not really, you know, it's not really, you know, categorically owed because we could have made this argument." Let's see what a jury says about that. And that's what's so important is if a jury comes back and they're saying you you were owed twenty grand and you say you're saying you were owed. 580 grand and a jury comes back and gives you a 572, they should have known it. 
<laughs> right. And you shouldn't have had to, you shouldn't have had to hire Shame legal. on you. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I mean, so to, to be clear, I just want to be clear about what we're looking at here is that there is a there is a bill that has been put forward. Um, it is currently in committee. I'm not going to get into how a bill becomes a law. But right now, sometimes most of these things will get killed in this portion of it. And look, there's thousands of bills that are proposed during every uh, legislate legislature Congress. OK, right. so there's thousands and thousands and thousands. And I was get, actually I was pulling on phone because I was actually looking at the we covered both the provisions, but I was actually looking at the language. right. And so, yeah. yeah, so those are basically the two provisions and, and the one that we're all looking at and PAs out there that are listening to me. I need you to hear me. Mm-hmm. OK, that is not necessarily a good thing. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, depending on kind of how you want to look at it, um, I don't want to go as far to say is that if it doesn't pass, it's job security for us. I don't want to say that. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, just being just being a a realist here, I these things, you know, there's always going to be claims improperly denied. Right. There's always going to be no matter what. Denied. Yeah, sure. Now, now, so I want you to think about something when you're talking about in, in sort of. Continuing that the, the the theme there that you were just kind of you know broaching right there is there are so many things that are a much heavier handed consequence to the carriers, but they still do what they do business as usual on denying things that that they shouldn't deny. Well, and some and don't get me wrong, they there many times they pay them. I mean, let's face it. There's there's. It's not the majority of claims that go legal or go to a PA. They don't. It's not I, at all. Not yeah, at right. All. Not there even some, close. There are some tremendous – you have no idea how many times, and I don't mention who they are, but I'll, I'll, I'll get a call from somebody who was a, an insurance adjuster, an IA, for years, and they were fantastic. And there's sometimes they're some of the best at recognizing when something's not right, and they'll say, if we have somebody call you, would you talk to them? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so they're dear friends of mine. Remember, I was on that side of the docket for nearly a decade. Sure. So there are some tremendous people, very astute, very well-reasoned, forward-thinking, even-keeled, however you want to describe them. They got to the right answer uh, routinely. Sure. So, so well, you'll I, see a lot, though, that, that don't for whatever reason. And I firmly believe in high tides raise all ships. Of course. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, I think, and I think, at at a level, any law that's going to elevate the process and cause the process to not only be more more upfront and and forward about how to execute said process when you have those things in place. But look, anytime there is a law that comes out, there yeah. is somebody trying to find the loophole. Okay. I mean, like we all want healthcare, right? And we all want it to not, we don't just want healthcare because getting healthcare is not the problem. Getting affordable healthcare is the issue. And so then you had the Affordable Healthcare Act. Okay. And then there were all of the loopholes. Oh, don't worry. You can keep your doctor. The problem is, is your doctor doesn't have to keep you. And that was not an avenue that was explored within the, within the statute. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? I there do. was, you know, and so no matter what happens, there is going to be a pivot by both sides of the table that is going going to accommodate this law, so to speak. So by and large, while it sounds like a good thing from your side of the table, realize the other side of the table is in pivot mode. They're just like Zeke. Sometimes it's good to just crash through the line. Other times, let's jump cut and get around this thing and score anyway. They're going to go from Zeke to Barry Sanders really fast. Really quick. And so- 
those are always things. And while I want that for the good of the policyholder sure. in an effort to not even have to call me, you know what I mean? That's I that's what I want, by and large, that even if this law passes, mm -hmm. it's not going to really change a whole lot, and it's not really going to change the behavior of all things. I do think the raising of the tide and the expectation of what is uh, what the carrier is going to present at an initial inspection is probably going to come up some, I would think, would be the response there. But look, it's always going to be something, and they'll just rewrite policies. So that they they cover what they well, want to cover. And, you know, I, I used to work for a, one of the most knowledgeable guys in insurance I ever I ever knew. And, and he used to always talk about when the laws change, it's very much akin to changing the flag location on a golf course. You right. Know, <laughs> you still have things you have to do. Or I think an even better analogy was changing the locations of the flags on like a slalom course. They're, they're going to get to that ground. They just have to know how to go around this one. And maybe this one's in front of it before it used to be on the side. Now they got to move a different way, pivot in a different manner. But, but they're going to, they're going to find a way. They're going to navigate it. When it's not like they're yeah. just going to trip over. No. It's, you're, I mean, it's still a flag. It's a not of, a brick wall. Well, the tip of the spear, the, the first one through the wall always gets bloody. Somebody will run into a couple flags. <laughs> right. They always do. First one through the wall always, always gets, gets bloody. bloody. <laughs> but, but, but the truth is the truth. I mean, there will, it's like, it's like the theory of water, the path of least resistance. It's going to find a way down that hill. It's going to find a way to get to where it wants. It's going to adjust accordingly. And then more things will change and other things will adjust and and the process continues. So, Scott, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much. How do, how do people get a hold of you? I mean, just the, tell the, us how to do I'm it. I'm going to tell you right now. The only number you'll ever find with me is my cell phone. I, 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 I must have I, – I can't even imagine how many thousands of people have. I mean, because it's the only one I've had. I've he has had his red receipts on too, guys. I'm going to tell you that if you text him, you know if he's checked your message. Fine. <laughs> and, and this is this is, and I'm going to say it right. It's it's two eight one. I'm a Houston guy. It was always a two eight one since 2000. I moved down to Texas right after. Believe it or not, my first day of work was nine eleven. You can. Oh wow! That. Really? Two thousand one. Yeah, I've been down here that long, and it was that was a day that it, I'll never forget. And that was what. You know, that's that's how it began down here. I mean, it was, uh -huh. yeah, and, and, and this has been my number since that day. It was 281-352-2833. And um, that's the real number. I saw the other day, I saw a funny uh, snippet about, uh, I guess it was somebody, I can't remember if it was in politics or sports. They gave out their number, and they honestly goofed up, and instead of saying like, Two eight three three. They said two eight eight three. And this poor guy in Ohio that's that you know sells vacuums gets like five thousand calls. But no two eight one three five two two eight three three. And I you know if 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 I'm in the air, I'm in the air a lot. I've got two more flights today, so I'm in the air a lot. I'm in court a lot. I'm in depositions a lot. Leave a message. I'm going to call you back. I, I go. I I return them at the end of the day. If I don't, it'll be the next day within 24 hours. So, and I can speak to that. Yes, as personal experience, I can speak to that. I have never not gotten my question answered. No, I have never not you know gotten gotten what I was looking for. Yeah. Um. I I will tell you that as far as I know, Scott really lives in Dallas 
Because every time I've ever <laughs> yeah. asked him to show up, he's been there. Yeah. Every time I've ever asked him to answer a call, he's answered a call. Every time I've ever had a question, that question has gotten answered. So, guys, if you're looking to build a relationship with an attorney, please reach out to Scott. He is an incredible resource. Um, tell him you know me. That might help a little bit. Yeah. But uh, either way, I just – Scott, thank you so much. Sure, and, and, and I just want to say one thing in relation to that. There are a lot of times we talk about, you know – being educated with your policy and things like that. You know, talk to your agent, you know, talk to, um, you know, your family members about, hey, listen, we have this, you know, to cover a family business. Is there anything, you know, really dig into the details. That relates to, to whether you call me or any attorneys. It doesn't even matter if you call me. Call an attorney. Look up, look up, you know, an attorney online. I'm Talk to a family member that's had a claim and they had somebody they trusted. Doesn't have to be me. I'm going to return your call. I'm going to talk to you. But it doesn't have to be me. But just know that if you have questions, it's it's never wrong to reach out and try to get an answer. And whether it's an attorney in Houston, Dallas, or, you know, Timbuktu, it doesn't matter. Feel free to reach out. We're going to be here for you. We, we do what we do because we believe in it. And we're always going to be there for the policyholders and the, the good insurance in Texas and beyond. And I want to tell you, thank you for having me. It's I love the new digs. Yeah, they're great. I mean, you aren't sound they? clear. It's like you're in the same room. I, it's almost like we're sitting across the table from each other. Damn near. <laughs> I mean, so no, I really, um, I really appreciate you having me on, and um, I'm looking forward to the next opportunity. Thank you thank, so. And to you and Donna. Oh, well, thank Donna's you Donna's so not here today, but but I, I thank the world she, to Donna. She's a wonderful lady. She makes the world spin. I also want to give a good shout out to Duke Morris, my producer, who has um, that that makes me look way cooler than I really am. And uh, so, Duke, thank you so very much for all of the hard work and labor that you yes. put in on making us look awesome. Good to meet you, um, Duke. And uh, guys, this is this is going to do it for this episode of Law. Uh, the pain of the claim presents law and policy, guys. Again, stay tuned. We're going to have more um, as things come up. You know, again, thank you, Scott. And that is going to do it for law and policy. We'll see you on the next one.